attentive. for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he were already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. And he bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. 
And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Peace be to you who read the good tidings and to all the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, the church takes us back a little bit in time to the events that took place just uh, around uh, the time of the crucifixion and the time after the crucifixion. And it's interesting in a way because we've already celebrated the resurrection of Christ, we've broken the fast, we've feasted, uh, there's a lot of joy, a lot of uh, good feelings, a lot of hope and so forth. And then last Sunday we were taken back to the time where Christ appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, and so we're going back a little ways. But even further now in the sense that we're going back to that time where Jesus was hanging on the cross. Because today we commemorate the myrrh-bearers as well as uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And it's interesting that the church would place these uh, commemorations at this time. I think one of the things among many that they're pointing out to us is the, the courage that these human beings had to be able to do what they did at that particular time. And as I was thinking about it a little bit... And I don't have an answer for this, but I I always wondered who normally took down the bodies from crosses. Because as you know, crucifixion was one of the most shameful and most painful ways to die. And uh, even if you just look it up uh, historically, um, you'll see that it it, it was something that uh, people feared more than anything. And it was supposed to be a deterrent to crime. Um, it was shameful in the sense that people were literally stripped naked when they were crucified. And so I often wondered who would take down the bodies. Were family members the ones that had to go down and to go and take them down? And what if there was a, a criminal who had no connection with family? Was it just a Roman soldier or was there certain uh, soldiers maybe or certain people that were uh, appointed that task? They were the people who took down the bodies from the cross? I don't know. Uh, and if you find out, you can let me know. But I, I don't know the answer to that. But what's interesting here is that we have this man, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a very respected man. He was a wealthy man. He was a counselor. And he went to Pilate, and in order to do that, you had to be pretty bold. And when I think about the boldness and the courage of Joseph and of Nicodemus, and also of the Mirbang women, I can't help but think that their boldness and their courage was really driven by their love. 
Because I can't think of anything else that would drive someone to literally risk their life. I mean, can you imagine the, the possibilities of what could have happened if, let's say, that Joseph went and, and Pilate questioned him about his faith and maybe turned him over and maybe he suffered the same fate? Or the Mirabarys themselves? So it took a lot of boldness and a lot of courage for, for Joseph to go to Pilate and to ask him if he could take the body of Christ off the cross. And of course, Pilate wanted to make sure that he was dead, lest he take him down um, and he survive. And I remember doing a little research and reading where uh, the historian, uh, Josephus, spoke about an incident where three of his very good friends were crucified. And he pleaded uh, with the ruler at that time, and they were all allowed to come down off of the cross. But two of them died shortly thereafter at the hands of the physicians. But there was one who actually lived. Historically, apparently, this is the only case where someone was taken off the cross and actually survived the crucifixion. Before they died on the cross, that is. But Christ, of course, uh, Pilate wanted to make sure that he was already dead. And that's why he inquired. And once it was affirmed, then he gave that... Uh, permission to Joseph. And I can only imagine Joseph's joy to know that he wasn't turned in, uh, he didn't have to suffer the same fate, but he was actually given permission to go and do this. And so we see Joseph then uh, buying a a linen uh, shroud in order to wrap the body of Christ in, and Nicodemus was accompanying him. And they have this gruesome, gruesome task of unnailing the body of Christ of taking him off, bloodied and whipped and the crown of thorns from his head and the, uh, the holes that were going to be in his body. They had the gruesome task of actually taking him down and wrapping him up. And not only that, but in one account, it speaks of Joseph taking the body of Christ to his tomb. In other words, it was going to be the tomb that he was going to be laid in when he died. And yet he decided that he would take uh, Christ to that particular tomb. And as I was listening to some of the hymns being chanted last night in Vesper service, there was one in particular that was uh, speaking a little bit to this event of Joseph taking down the body of Christ. And I wanted to read it to you because it's really awesome. When Joseph saw you dead, naked, and unburied, he took up a very moving lamentation. And stricken with grief, he said... Alas, O sweetest Jesus, when the sun saw you hanging on the cross just a little while ago, it wrapped itself in darkness. And out of fear, the earth was quaking, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And now I see you voluntarily undergoing death for me. He didn't say undergoing death for the world. He said undergoing death for me. It's a very, very personal statement. And it's a statement that all of us can make. I recently was speaking with uh, a hierarch uh, over the phone. And he said to me, when Christ was crucified, he whispered your name on the cross. And we have to personalize that, all of us. That when he was hanging and dying on the cross, that he was whispering the name of each one of you. So that we don't make it so global that we can't understand it in our own hearts, in a personal way. He says, Joseph goes on to say in this hymn, How can I bury you, my God? How can I wrap you in a shroud? 
With what hand shall I touch your immaculate body? Think about that for a moment. It, it, it was, it's very similar to the hymn that we, we hear um, during Theophany when St. John the Baptist was reaching out his hand over the head of Christ and his hand was hovering over the head and he was fearful of actually laying his hand on top of the head of God. And so we have Joseph of Arimathea, who if you remember at the beginning of the Gospel reading, he was a man who was looking for the kingdom of God. And of course he found it. But he says, how, how am I going to take your body down with my hands? Because my hands are filthy. And what, what kind of shroud can I actually wrap you in? What can I actually do to take care of you as God? And what song shall I be singing at your departure, tender loving Lord? And so when we look at this event of, of Joseph and the Murbearers, we, we, we keep in mind that they are approaching the, the body of Christ in order to give something to Him. They're, they're bringing an offering. Their offering is the shroud, uh, their, their hands, their, their courage, their spices and the aloes and everything. They bring all of this to Christ in order to, to give Him a proper burial. So they're now, they're now ministering to Him in a sense. And there is a parallel in here that when the Myrberries and Joseph were going to Christ to care for his body in this way, they draw near to him with this offering. And in a very similar way, every time we come to the Eucharist, we are bringing an offering to Christ. And that offering is ourself. It's our life. We may not think of it that way, but for those of you who are going to receive the Eucharist this morning, as you come forward, think about yourself as making an offering and offering yourself to Christ. I'm giving you my life. I'm coming to give my whole self to you. And as we think about that, I want you to also keep in mind these words from one of the commentaries on this particular passage where it says, Let us be like Joseph, always increasing in virtue virtue, and taking hold of that which is truly good. And let us also take the body of Jesus Christ through Holy Communion and place it in a tomb hewn out of the rock, that is, place it within our soul, which always remembers God and does not forget Him. You see, you see the parallel here? Just as they came offering something, we come offering ourselves. They went to where the tomb was, and yet this particular uh, father is saying that our bodies are really that tomb. And it's true, because Christ didn't come for the living, He came for the dead. Not only those who had already fallen asleep in, 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 in terms of their life, but everybody was dead without Christ. Even the living were dead without Christ. He goes on to say, And let us wrap the body of Jesus in the linen. That is, let us receive it within a pure body. For the body is the linen, and as it were, the garment of the soul. For we must receive the divine body of our Lord, not only with a pure soul, but also with a pure body as well. And we must wrap it and enfold it within ourselves. So like the Myrbaras and Joseph and Nicodemus, we approach with fear, the Eucharist, but also with courage and with faith. And we come to the chalice in order to give 
ourself, our whole life to Christ. This is our offering to Him. And this comes from our own longing and our own love for Him. Our own desire, like Joseph, to see the kingdom of God. And in return, Christ gives Himself back to us. We are filled with divine grace. And we bring our humble, fallen, broken, sinful selves to Christ. And we say, Lord, this is all I have. It's like the two, the two uh, pennies that, we, that, that the, uh, the, the widow gave. That's all she had. We have nothing. And what do we receive in return? The gift of immortality. We receive life everlasting. What we have to offer Christ is just this, us. But what He gives us in return in that exchange is immortality. The gift of immortal life and to be with Him. So we offer Him something so minute compared to what He gives to us. And yet, this is something that that Joseph of Arimathea and the Myrbearers experienced when they went with just spices and aloe and linen. What's that worth? And what did they receive in return? They received the resurrected Lord. And this is what we celebrate on this day and every day of our life. Amen.